You're listening to the AG Lockhart Podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Matt Burton. Good morning. If you have your Bibles or your Bible on your phone app or a copy and paper, if you'll turn to John chapter 9. I don't know about the lights. How do y'all like them? They seem to be doing their own thing today. Anybody notice? Somebody's in the back like, Lord, please, he looks so much better when it's not so bright. I used to tell people my name in Spanish was Guapo, which means handsome, but that my last name was De Lejos, which means far away. What's the point? Well, I don't know what the point is. I'm enjoying kind of the lights doing their own thing. I appreciate our teams that work so hard to, to get a service together that we could offer to the Lord and we could come to meet with Him. We want to know and to aim for and to desire that God is the object, the person that we're praising, that we're coming together for. But God's so good, when we come together for Him, He showers down His blessing on us. And so this service is for Him, and the Bible says if we don't cry out, the rocks will, and evidently the lights want to praise the Lord today in their own way, and so we'll let that happen. For some of you, it'll be a big distraction because you're like me, and if anything moves on one side or another, you look that way, and you have to recalibrate. I've been talking to my students at the high school, trying to mainly talking to myself, but they're a captive audience, so to speak. But whatever we're doing, whatever we're practicing daily, that's what we're preparing to use in our future. Today, some football teams will be playing, and uh, not the right ones, we already know, but some teams are playing, and those guys at their level, they have practiced and prepared. They didn't wake up one day and they were a professional. They put into practice some things daily when most of us weren't watching or even complaining about them and their performance. They were doing things so that when they got to game day, they were ready. You don't just wake up on game day and say, oh, I need to be faster, stronger, smarter. I need to understand the plays. You have to put that into practice. So What's helping me today with these lights is that I have got to become more, more in tune with the Lord, even in the midst of distractions. So the lights are talking to me today, and I, I mean, not in an audible voice. If I tell you that, then come pray for me at the end of the service. But they're demonstrating to me that in this world we live in, there are distractions that are going to get our attention or, or make us lose focus on what we were focused on, and we need to practice staying focused in those distractions. And the Lord is administering His providence over the earth so that the earth is going to help us. We'll have enough distraction that we have to stay focused, and God is going to present Himself to us and, and, and reveal Himself to us in such a beautiful way that we'll want to stay focused on Him, but we're going to have to learn to move through all that. So what I'm telling you is the lights are probably doing all this on purpose to help you with your focus and to keep you from being distracted. John chapter 9. Before that, I want to let you know we're just excited today. In, in the church today is Miss Stella Siepert. She came out of heart surgery, and she's right here. Y'all remember a couple of weeks ago we, we prayed for her? We prayed for her here. She brought her family, and, and there she is after surgery. And so we just want to thank the Lord. We were joking around, Miss Lupe and, and I, that if we had been in heart surgery, we'd still be in bed. I'd be going, PJ, and she'd be going, aren't you better? Yeah, I had heart surgery. 
Cookies, please. But not Miss Stella. She's here. Amen. We want to celebrate that Lynn's husband, Joe, got out of surgery and he's doing well. We want to celebrate Miss Williams. It's her birthday. And she's right there. Happy birthday. I think it's tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? All right. Well, I was the first one to tell you happy birthday because it's tomorrow. Someone go to their house at midnight and sing Las Mañanitas. In the back, we have the Chandlers. They just celebrated this week 66 years of marriage. Go on and wave, Ms. Chandler. Go on and wave, Mr. Chandler. Hey, I, I want y'all to put your hands up, just the Chandlers. There you go. All right. That's, that's them. The reason I want y'all to know who they are is because some of you are trying to be married and stay married, and there's some people that have done it. And so you need some mentors and some coaching in your life. Let's get connected to these people that are a little bit further down the road. They're where we want to be. They're doing it like we want it to be done. And let's talk to them and let them pass down our knowledge, all right? And so I'm imagining some younger couples going to the Chandlers and to the other couples we have in our church and saying, how'd you do that? And say they can pass on their wisdom. And then I expect the Chandlers to tell that younger couple, hey, can you cut the grass real quick and pick up some stuff and give me some of your strength as I'm giving you some of my wisdom? I think all the generations are supposed to work together like that. We bring to each other what we have. So we're excited about that. And then we also have the Yego CJs here, and they had a memorial service for her father yesterday. And it was a, a very painful and difficult thing, but it was also a very beautiful thing to hear the testimonies of who her dad was and the impact he made on people. So we are still in prayer for their family and for all of us who are going through it right now. I mentioned these people to you because comparison or seeing somebody, it can, it can be a catapult for us. We can see Miss Seepert and we can say, if the Lord can take care of her in heart surgery, then the Lord can take care of me. It can be a catapult for us in our faith, or it can really crush us if we allow the enemy to twist it and say, well, if God's healing her, then why isn't he healing me? That's not the comparison that we want to use. We want the comparison to say, you know, that's a woman that needed something and God helped her. She's a human. She's the object of God's love. I'm a human. I'm the object of God's love. So, so if he's working in her life, then I can believe he's working in my life. I don't want to point out the Chandlers to you, and then you go, yeah, well, there's 66 years of marriage, and this has been the hardest week of my marriage, and then you get crushed. I don't want that. I want, want the Lord to use this comparison or this testimony for us to be encouraged that if God can do it with the Chandlers, I don't know. They are pretty special, though, aren't they? I mean, they might have a bigger house in heaven than me. I think probably so. No, but if they're human and they experience the same kind of attacks on their marriage, the same kind of humanity in their marriage, then, and they can make it with the Lord's help, then, then you and I can make it. So let these uh, people, let, let this all generations, let us encourage each other and not be crushed by comparison, but be catapulted into more faith. Well, surely, Lord, if you're doing it with people in Lockhart, you can do it with me too. All right. Well, I'm done. Let's go eat. <laughs> yeah. The new people were like, yeah? The old people were like, whatever, this guy's. All right, let's turn in our Bibles to John chapter 9, and we'll read a few verses. If you are able, if you'll stand while we read God's Word. You always have permission in this church to 
do what you need to do, if you need to leave, if you need to sit, if you need to kneel down and pray, even while we're preaching, you, you have your liberty to do that. John chapter 9, verse 1, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Another translation says, so that God could be glorified in him. Jesus continues, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and no one can work. But while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground. He made mud with the saliva. He spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him to go wash himself in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. And the man went and washed, and he came back seen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we want to see. Would you do something with our eyes today? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated if you'd like. The title for today, Following Jesus on Purpose, Part 2. We started last week. We're going to continue looking into the purposes that God has in His heart and His mind, and then how we're part of that purpose and how we've been planned and positioned on purpose, and then how we can follow Jesus in His purpose so that we know our purpose. We talked last week that if you know your purpose, then you have a lot of protection from being used or misused or abused. When we know our purpose, then we can tell, hey, that's not really my purpose. I don't need to go over there. Or you're treating me in a way that I'm not purposed to be treated. It can keep us from misuse and from abuse. We used the example last week of a hammer. You could build something with a hammer. Or you could prop something up with a hammer. Or I don't know if you've ever locked your keys in your car and you try to use a hammer to get in. I mean, the window would go real fast. We saw that last week. But you can pry it and you can bend it. I have this image in my head of someone trying to pry something open with a hammer, jamming it in there and pushing it and pushing it sideways and then the hammer breaking. The hammer being misused and then now it's injured or hurt. It's been abused. Well, if we know our purpose and if we keep aligning ourselves to our purpose in God, then it helps us in many ways to be protected from misuse. Another way to say that in the Bible, it's recorded, without a vision, the people perish or they cast off restraint. If I don't know what I'm for, then I might just go try to figure it out in a lot of mess and a lot of damage can be done. Jesus is showing his purpose, this blind man's purpose, and how our purposes can be confused. goes on to say in these verses, the man's been healed. Jesus said, it's not what you think. It's not because of his parents. It's not because of him. It's because God wants to demonstrate his power inside his life. And so everything's about to go crazy now because the blind man's been healed. It says, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was. Others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I'm the same one. They asked him, who healed you? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus spread mud on my eyes. And he told me, go and to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed, and now I can see. Well, where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees. These are the teachers of the law and the religious leaders. 
Because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. You're not supposed to do any work on the Sabbath. Jesus and the religious leaders were always having trouble with each other on what he did on the Sabbath. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So the man who had been healed told him, he put mud over my eyes, and when I washed, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he's working on the Sabbath. Others said, how could any ordinary sinner do such miraculous things? So there was deep division of opinion among them. There will be deep divisions of opinions on the purpose of who Jesus is, the purpose of Jesus, the purposes of God. And because of those deep divisions, they will trickle down to you and there will be divisions of opinions on who you are and what you're purposed for. You need to know that. And you don't need to go around fixing everybody's opinion of your purpose. You need to be laser focused in all the distractions of today on what God says your purpose is. We're going to be talking about this. We can't exhaust this. We're going to be learning about our purpose in eternity for millions and millions of years, knowing more and more who God made us to be as we grow in understanding and knowledge and relationship with Him. But we want to be focused on our purpose and what God says about our purpose. Because if, like this story, this account of this man's life, there are people that are going, you're not Him. That's not who you are. You shouldn't have done this on this day. I don't believe your story. Where's the guy? All the trouble. No one's probably, there aren't a lot of people that are going to come around you and to help you with your purpose. Oh, but here at All Generations, we will. Here in this church, hopefully you get connected with people that will help you stay on purpose. But you need to know you're going to have some enemies to your purpose. Following Jesus on purpose. When we see Jesus' purpose and we call ourselves followers of Jesus, Then we can see our purpose because we need to follow Jesus. And if Jesus is purposely doing something, then we need to do that same thing on purpose. Does that make sense? I don't know if it makes sense, but you said purpose a lot of times. For your purpose, a couple of thoughts. You don't want to measure like everybody measures. Am I doing good? Am I doing bad? Am I on purpose? Am I off purpose? Am I succeeding or not succeeding? We see in this story That even Jesus' disciples were confused about the man's blindness. They thought it came from him or his parents. They only had two options. Jesus had a whole other option. No, God wants to be glorified in this man's life. And God wants to be glorified in your life. When we see Jesus' purpose, we follow him in his purpose. And we don't want to measure as the world measures. We need to know that everybody's going to be commenting on our purpose and on our position and on our problems. Oh, man, in the church, they can tell you, oh, you're poor because you don't have enough faith. You're sick because you don't pray enough. You're in that situation because of this and because of that. We are not the judge. We want to be careful. We want to encourage one another while it's called today. We want to stir each other up in faith. We want to give each other encouragement and help. We want to pick a brother up. Help a sister get where she's getting. We got to be careful of critiquing. Jesus' disciples walking with him in the flesh were missing the whole point about this blind man's life. I don't know. Maybe I've missed the point a couple of times. No, probably not. Oh, yes, I probably have. Probably been a little bit off on what I thought. Well, we know that we are made for relationship with God, and we know that we are made that people would see God's work in us, that God would be glorified through us. That's some things we know about our purpose. 
But let's look a little bit into Jesus's purpose. And when we see his purpose, as we follow him, we can see a little bit of our purpose. Jesus said this in Luke 19.10, the son of man, that was a name he called himself because it was prophesied in the Old Testament that the son of man would come. It'd be the Messiah. He was the Messiah. He would call himself the son of man. It says the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Part of Jesus' purpose, he says it right here, to seek and to save the lost. It was the reason he ran into this guy on this day. This was a person who didn't know him yet. His physical blindness spoke of his spiritual blindness. And Jesus had to come find him on that day. It might look like an accidental encounter. You may think you're accidentally at church today. You may think people are accidentally sending you emails and notes and encouraging in your faith, but no, God is on purpose seeking you that he might save us. Jesus said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. This is his purpose. Here it is explained in some other verses. God sent his son into the world not to judge it. One version says not to condemn it, but to save the world. And how? Through his self, through him. 1 John 4, 9 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. So this salvation, this saving, seeking and saving the lost, the definition of saving is that we have eternal life instead of eternal death. 1 John 4, 14 says, we've seen with our own eyes, and now we testify that the Father sent his son to be the Savior of the world. We know Jesus' purpose to seek and to save the lost. So we can follow him in that purpose. We're not the Savior, but we can be about that same task. Jesus described it like this in a story, a parable. He said, suppose there was a woman who had 10 silver coins and she lost one. Won't she light a lamp? Won't she sweep the entire house, searching carefully until she finds it? And when she finds that lost silver coin, won't she call her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I found my lost coin? In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. When one person does what we sing about today and say, not my way, but I make room for you, Lord. I give you my life and I take your life. All of heaven rejoices. You need to hear that because there are some people arguing about your purpose. Just like they were like, you're not the blind guy. Yes, I am. It's me. No, you look like him. Ah, it's me. But you're not blind anymore. And God's doing some things in your life and you're not the same as you used to be. And heaven's rejoicing because you belong to the Lord, but not everybody's rejoicing because you belong to the Lord. We can join Jesus in his purpose of seeking and saving the lost, we can be like this lady looking for that who's lost. Who's got more than one kid? Raise your hand. Let's just all come forward and pray. Lord, help these. My mom raised four boys. We're all still alive. I'd like to take a little credit, but I'm going to have to give that all to God and my mom. She had 10 coins. She only lost one. Why not be happy with nine? Well, mom, dad, if you had three of your boys still at home, loving God and doing right, well, not at home, but living in their own home and coming over on Sundays for lunch. And you're like, well, I got three. It's only one of them out there lost, living like crazy. Got three-fourths of it. I'm good. Nobody thinks like that. God doesn't think like that. In your mind, there are people in this room and listening online. There, the thought has come, and it's come from the enemy like a fiery dart, God has a lot of people. What does he need you for? 
You've heard it in your own voice, in your own head, but it's from the enemy. It's a lie. God has from every tongue and every tribe and every nation, but if he's missing you, he is missing you. And he's after you. And he's seeking you. He came to seek and save that which was lost. He's looking for you. Oh, you need to hear that. Even if you know him, he still has his eyes on you. He still wants that time with you. He's after your heart. He's after that relationship. It's what you were purposed for, to know him. He's looking for you. So we need to be looking for people. We want to have that same heart. Oh, Lord, change me that I wouldn't just see that person as a headache and, oh, they're so difficult and, oh, I don't have what it takes for you today. Oh, there you are in H-E-B. I don't go to the ice cream aisle again. I mean, I already ate a gallon, but let me. That we would have the heart of God, that we would be looking for the lost. Not to tell them about how dumb they are for being lost, because we all were lost. Each has gone his own way. Each has gone his own way, but Jesus said, I'm the way. And God found us, and we turned, and we repented, and we came to his way. And we go, what are you doing, Jesus? And he goes, I'm seeking and saving the lost. And we go, oh, let's go look for that one out of ten that's lost. Oh, it goes against my nature, or my human nature, my selfish nature. I need everybody to just leave me alone. I got a lot of other stuff to do. I'm tired. I don't have the energy. That person's difficult. I have to take more than I got. Jesus said, I've got it all and I lay it all. He's done the work. We need to be looking for those people. A woman had 10 coins. She lost one. But she continued to look. I want to encourage you if something's lost in your life. Your peace is lost, go looking for it. Your hope is lost, go looking for it. But even more than that, let's have our eyes open. Lord, show me who you're looking for. That I might just know to pray for them or to give them a kind word, or that I might have your patience in front of them, that I might be like you in front of them. Jesus is looking for the lost so we could join him there. Let's go back to this account of this young man that, that had his eyes opened. So we left him, he, he could see, and now they're arguing with the miracle, and they're arguing with his identity, and they're trying to tell him who he is and who he isn't. And they've brought him to the religious leaders, and we pick up the story again. It says, the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind, and they demanded, What's your opinion about this man, Jesus, who healed you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had even been blind and could now see, so they called his parents. Ooh, they're just scared. Doesn't that make you shiver when somebody says they're going to call your parents? I don't know, I'm 53 and I still had a chill right there. They asked the parents, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? They don't like the guy's answer. They're going to the parent's answer. His parents replied, we know this is our son. We know he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. Well, that's an interesting turn in the story. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They had announced that anyone saying Jesus the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. Oh, we got a little conflict here. Social standing, religious standing, being right in what we think in God's eyes. Uh, 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 stand up for my son, get kicked out of church, and, and, and being thought of well in the community. Uh, time out. I think they went for a huddle. What do you think we ought to do? I don't know. The boy's old enough. Let him talk. That's a good idea. Hey, y'all can ask him. 
man, it's a good thing he wasn't like 13 or 12 when they were still responsible for him, right? Well, I don't know. He's 12. He can talk for himself. God bless you. Some of you have been raising yourself since you were 12. The Lord wants you to know he's a father to the fatherless. This is why they said he's old enough, and to ask him, they didn't want a lot of trouble. There were some things more important to them than their son and than Jesus. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Boy, they got Jesus' purpose all mixed up, don't they? I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. I don't know about how your marriage is going to go, but I've been married for 66 years, and God can help you. I know I've been married for 66 years. I don't know about everybody else's health, but I know you can trust God because I was in the hospital, and he got me out of it. And then even the faith above that where Billy Graham said, you're going to hear I'm dead, but it won't be true. I'll be more alive than I ever was. There'll be a day Miss Stella doesn't come out of the hospital. She's going to be with the Father in heaven. But while it's still called day and while there's still purpose for her, the Lord leaves her here. I don't know whether he's a sinner, but I know this. I was blind and now I could see. But what did he do? How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed. I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. These guys have already been hearing him preach because they're mad at him, calling him a sinner, and they will not believe that he's the Messiah. Jesus wants their hearts so bad that now a blind, healed blind man, a man that can see that once was blind, that nobody knows who he is and his parents barely want to claim him, is telling him, would you like to follow Jesus too? Jesus is so after these guys' hearts that they would turn to him that he's been preaching and the scriptures have been preaching, and now the healed blind man is preaching to them. God's after them. The Lord wants their heart. Well, you're not going to listen to the prophets. You're not going to listen to God. You're not going to listen to Jesus. Maybe you'll listen to a man who once was blind and now he can see. God is after their heart. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. This is another invitation out of the mouth of the healed man for these people. This is just like Jesus. Look how Jesus lived his life. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused. They were helpless. Well, their leaders don't even know who the Messiah is. Of course, they're confused and helpless. Anybody feel confused and helpless? We live in the same culture. I don't know who Jesus is. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, uh, is it truth? Is it untruth? Have we fact-checked that? Is it mistruth? Is it on purpose wrong? Is it right or wrong? Is it my opinion? Is it their opinion? Oh, I'm confused. They were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, on purpose, says, the harvest is great. The workers are few. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. And the man gets healed, and he's already working. Do you want to be his disciple too? Look at this, what it says in 2 Corinthians. This is a gift from God. What's the gift? He brought us back to himself through Christ. And God's given us this task of reconciling people to him. God wants to seek and save the lost, but now he's got us working in the family business. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So that means the world was away from God, and God through Jesus bringing back the world to him. He was no longer counting people's sins against them because Jesus had paid for them. 
And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Now we're seeking and saving the lost. It's not our power that we save them. We're just connecting them with God. Look what Paul says. We are Christ's ambassadors. God's making his appeal through us. The blind man says to them, or the healed blind man, do you want to follow him too? Making his appeal. God's words through the man, do you want to follow Jesus? We speak for Christ when we tell people, come back to God. Come to God. We, on purpose, need to be seeking and saving the lost. And if that's not enough for you, then out of Jesus' own mouth, he says to his followers, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey my commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And as followers of Jesus, we need to have them on our mind and in our heart. And there's a lot of different ways that can look, but let's not be confused. Our purpose as newborn people in Christ is to share that and to help people. Even in the middle of everybody being confused about who you are and not even believing your testimony, you say, do you want to follow him? Look what he's done for me. Do you want to follow him too? Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And you, daughter of God, son of God, that's your purpose also. So let's go back to the story. He's giving his testimony. He's looking at his parents like, man, am I still invited to Christmas? He's getting fussed at by the leaders of the community, and it gets worse. Then they cursed him, and they said, you're his disciple. We are disciples of Moses. Oh, there's going to be some decisions to make about your purpose and who you're going to follow. You're going to follow somebody. We're all going to have a leader. We're all going to have a God, even if it's our own self. We're going to make a choice. They had decided, we're disciples of Moses, because we know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man came from. Well, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and you don't even know where he comes from. He's able to heal me, and you don't even know if he's from God or not from God. And then the man begins, the healed man who's not the teacher, but now he's been, has a God's activity working in his life, he begins to teach them. We know God doesn't listen to sinners. He's heard that from them. He's ready to hear those who worship in him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one's ever opened the eyes of someone born blind. If this man's not from God, he couldn't have done it. This guy's become a teacher. He's become a witness. Oh, man, you feel unqualified? That's a lie. You have the Lord in you, you're qualified, full of the Holy Spirit. The Lord will give you the words. He'll help. No matter how good you say it or bad you say it, you can't save anybody. It's the power of God working in their life. But faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've got to speak. This man is speaking. He's like, it's got to be something because how could he open my eyes? Oh, that really makes them happy. You were born a total sinner. They answered, you're trying to teach us. And they threw him out. Following Jesus on purpose might get you in a little bit of trouble. Also might get you into eternal life. I mean, it will get you into that. Listen to Jesus' words. Look at this guy's life. He's healed. They're questioning who he is and his own testimony. Should be the greatest day of his life. They're almost making it the worst day. Family issues are coming up. Now he's getting thrown out of the synagogue as a Jewish young man. Jesus said this, everyone who acknowledges me publicly on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I'll deny them before my Father in heaven. You see some division there? 
Jesus is creating the division. You're with me or you're not with me. Your own mouth is going to let everybody know. He says, don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. Now, don't get confused. He's the prince of peace. But part of what Jesus does divides and separates the sheep from the goats, the lost from the found, the healed from the not healed, the followers of Christ from the not followers of Christ. I came not to bring peace but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. If anybody's having trouble with their parents right now, do not take this verse and go, see, God's doing it. I'm a mess because of God. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying there's going to be some families where if you make a decision to follow God, those people are going to choose their hate for God over their love for you. And you're going to have to choose your love for God over their acceptance of you. Oh, that's hard to think about in America, but around the world, that's just normal Christian experience. And thank God for the peace we've had. Jesus wants to make peace in our family, but there's only peace with the Prince of Peace, that we all sit at His table, in His name, under Him. This is not permission to be at war against people, because Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for them, give to them, bless them. He didn't say act like an enemy. He said, love them. But he also said, you might not be loved. You may be treated as an enemy. The Lord and the fire of his love is purifying the church and we are going to be burned and we're going to be purified and some things are going to fall off of us. And idols, even the idol of family is going to have to fall off of us that Jesus is our only love and our true love. And if he's our true love, then we still love our family even if they throw us away. I feel like that's a whole other message. Was anybody going to eat lunch today? I can just... No, I'll stay with this one. We'll do that one another time. Your enemies will be right in your own house. You need to hear this because some of you are experiencing that pain and it's a very real pain and you need to know the Lord sees it and he knew it would happen. And it means so much to him that you would love him even with how much it's costing you. And it's not something you did wrong, and it's not because they hate you. It's because people don't understand Jesus. Some of them have misunderstood, or some of them have said, I don't want anything to do with him. And then there comes a point in our life where we have to choose him over everything if he's going to be our Lord and our Savior. I'm praying for you and for us. Because this is only going to increase. If you're already experiencing this division among your friends and among your family, then you're ahead of some of us. And what you're learning, we're going to need to know. You're down the road a little bit. But don't be confused. Because of Jesus, a lot of people will leave us. And because of the sin in the world and the other side of it and what the enemy's doing, the Bible promises a betrayal culture. Oh, this is good news. Glad I came to church on Sunday. This is a message of hope because if you're experiencing that pain, that loss, that separation, you need to know Jesus is the one who knows it the most. In his deepest, most needful moment, no one stayed with him. And at one moment when he had to give his life as a ransom for us, even he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? That loneliness, that pain, that being thrown away by your family. Oh, Jesus knows it to the core. 
And he can sit with you and comfort you in your pain. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, then you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, which means if you love yourself more than me, then you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your own life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. Oh, these are deep words. These are strong statements. But Jesus isn't someone you hire to be your date on Saturday. He's not a bag you put on to look better where you're going. He's the Son of God given to us. How could we expect anything else that we would not give our whole life to Him? Oh, let this place continue as it has for 35 years to preach the gospel that Jesus paid it all and then we give our all. Grace is free. Oh, but it cost him, my pastor used to say, everything. So it's not free for Jesus. It cost him his whole life. And we're to be equally yoked with him. So we give our whole life to him. And many of us, oh, I remember the days, and they try to sneak back up on me when I'm living halfway in and halfway out. And I'm like, this thing isn't working. It's because you're not all in. You're dating me. You're not married to me. You're trying to be an illegitimate son and only come when there's food on the table. But I need you in my house all the time, the Lord might say. Because we're adopted into his family. We're called the bride of Christ. We're called his sons and daughters. Don't cling to your own life. You'll lose it. We go back to the guy's story. He's been thrown out of the temple. He's been healed. It's a great day and it's a terrible day, the best of times and the worst of the times. Jesus heard what's happening to him and he found the man again and he said, do you believe in the son of man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You've seen him and he's speaking to you. Man, I could just focus on this verse the rest of forever. You've seen him. Jesus is saying so much. Hey, bro, you used to be blind. I healed you. Now you're looking at me. Hey, you were spiritually blind. You didn't know who the Son of Man was, but now you're looking at him. You were blind physically, blind spiritually. I came into your life. I'm doing my work, and all of that is changing. Oh, so much is going on right here. And I'm speaking to you, and everybody else is throwing you away. Yes, Lord, I believe. And it said the man worshiped him. More than a physical healing, in the interaction with Jesus, the power of God came into his life and he's now different because he has this faith and belief that Jesus is the Son of God and he's worshiping him. There's not a long Bible study. There's not a whole lot of discipleship. I mean, it's just him and Jesus talking and he's like, you're Jesus, you're the Son of God and I'm worshiping. All that. We can't produce that. We can't make the service so great that everybody just gets their life to Christ. But what happens is God comes. And God does the work, but he partners with us in it. You speak, you sing, you talk, you worship, you give your example. You're part of what's going on. The man worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus said, I entered the world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they can see that they are blind. And some Pharisees who were standing nearby asked him, are you talking to us? We're blind? And Jesus goes, if you're blind, you wouldn't be guilty, but you remain guilty because you claim to see. 
So my little understanding of that last verse is this. If we think Jesus is something else than he is, we're blind, but we think we're not blind. We think we've got it all figured out. No, Jesus is this or Jesus is that. That's what they were doing. But they weren't saying, we don't know, who is he? Like the blind man, they weren't saying, who is he? Show me. They weren't open to it. They're like, no, we got it all figured out. So they're basically saying, we see and we know and we've made our decision. And Jesus goes, then you're in trouble. That's it's all wrong. But I've come for the blind so that they can see, so that they can know me. There was a man named Paul. Craig preached about him on the first day of this year. New man, new year, new person. New me, what was it? New year, new you. I evidently didn't need to be new. It was you. New year, new you. New year, new me. It was about Paul who thought he was doing everything right for God and he was actually killing God's people. Then God encountered him, made him blind because he thought he could see, changed his life on the inside, then opened his eyes, and then called him into his purpose. And Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners, but God saved me so that his power could be shown through me. And now I'm on purpose with him. And so that question comes to us today. And this is where I would leave us to respond. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, but look what else he said. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call those, not the ones that think they're righteous, but I have come to call those who know they're sinners and need to repent. I have come to call the ones who realize I need God and you're him. I can't do it on my own. I'm in need of a savior and you're the savior. Now, everybody in our world's picking a savior. We're all reaching for something to help us. And the world is producing an environment where we're recognizing we need help. But there are many false gods that offer themselves for help. And Jesus said, I came for the one who knows they're sick and who knows I'm the answer. So Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and he came to heal the sick. Spiritually sick, emotionally sick, physically sick, and sick of death of sin that he might heal them. The Pharisees wouldn't have it. The blind man said, I want it. And so the question comes to us. Are we lost and need to be found? Are we sick and need to be healed? Are we in need of a Savior and we need Jesus in our life? I'm going to ask the team to come forward. We're going to close with this song of response. The first way you follow Jesus is like the blind man. He starts working in your life and you respond to it and you say, I want to know you. I want your life. And you ask Christ into your life or you receive what he's offering to you. Jesus asked the man, do you believe in the son of God? Well, who is he? Jesus said, he's me. And he said, well, then I believe and I want to know you and I worship you. That's where we start following Jesus. If you've never started at that place, the Bible calls it being adopted into his family or being born again or being united with God. If you've never done that, that's where you start following Jesus. You realize what he's saying and you agree with it. I need you. Here's my life. You're offering me your life. I receive it. Those can be in your own words or someone like me or some of our leaders can help you pray through that. But it comes from your heart as a response to God's heart. You start following him there. 
But then you continue following him by making room for him. And you continue following him by doing what he does, seeking and saving the lost, looking for the sick, looking to help them. And so in this room today, some of us need to respond and say, Lord, I want to give you my life. I want to follow you. My life for your life. I make the trade. And then others of us, we've already decided that. So we need to get back on purpose of seeking those who God's seeking, ministering to those who God's ministering to, being part of the process of the healing. Would you stand with me if you're able? Now, what I'm asking you to do today can happen in a lot of ways. One way it can happen is you just talk to the Lord. But ways it sometimes happens in church is people come forward, like leaving an old life and coming to a new life. And they come and pray or they come and talk to the pastor or to the leader and they say, I want to give my life to Jesus. And we pray together. I'll be standing right here if that's you. If you've been spiritually blind and your eyes are opening and you want Jesus, then come tell me. Let's pray together. Let's be brothers and sisters and let's walk in the Lord together. If you're off purpose and you want to get back on purpose, oh, I've been building my own kingdom, not God's. I've been after my own thing. I've been pushing people away instead of going after them. And maybe you need to come and tell the Lord, I'm coming back. I'm getting on purpose. You can do that where you are. There's no pressure. In my life, I've needed a physical response to help me. Almost like something a tangible I could see of what God's doing. So in this song of worship, you respond to the Lord. You give him your life. You get back on purpose. You respond to him how he's speaking to you. And after that, I'll close. Come Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more information about All Generations Church, go to aglockhart.org.